All right. Now back with me is the host of the Augusta Golf Show, John Patrick. You can check out John's show at AugustaGolfShow.com. He's been covering the Masters for, I believe, 36 years now. And I'd venture to say that nobody knows the tournament, the course, and its impact on golf history better than John does. And when it comes to great golf shows, you know, some of the best on the planet, you know, I'm a big fan of Matthew Lawrence and his show, Backspin Golf. Obviously, my last guest, John Mascari, and his show, On the Tee. But um, we are all looking up to this man and the Augusta Golf Show. Uh, with the COVID protocols reducing the number of people and the number of shows, uh, getting credentials for the press room at Augusta National, one radio show, one was there, and it was John Patrick and his show. And uh, that's really all you need to know about how great the show is and how great John is. And I'm very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, John, how are you, my friend? Christopher, how are you? I'm fantastic, you thank you. How you doing? How you holding up? You got to be tired. I can't. I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on coming on this show after your week. Well, I, I I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm a bit of a whipped puppy. I mean, we 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 also we also add to that a a five thirty to nine o'clock morning radio program that we do every day on the, on the radio station. So it's getting close to bedtime, and and I haven't quite gotten back to the routine yet. I thought. I knew Monday wouldn't be the routine. I kind of hoped today would be the routine. It's now looking like Friday before I can get back to the routine. But <laughs> but uh, it was lonely up there last week, Chris. No doubt. You you were the well, you the Lone Ranger, right, on Radio Row, if you will. There was you. Yes. I looked to my left, and there was no one. I looked to my right, and there was no one. Um, just me and the, and the folks, you know, from Sirius XM who had the uh, wall-to-wall play-by-play coverage. So um it's uh I you know I I looked I looked very much forward to next April and everybody coming back. <laughs> John, I got to get your perspective now on on the tournament. Um Hideki Matsuyama it, it felt like he had one bad shot over the final two rounds uh to earn the victory. He got a little dicey there there on 15 for a minute, but uh, your thoughts on what you saw. You know, I I guess it did get dicey. I never really felt like he was losing control. I I said on the radio Sunday morning, going into the final round, it felt an awful lot like 2018 and the lead that Patrick Reed had. That, you know, Patrick, Patrick doesn't really give up the lead. And, and, and I I didn't think Hideki would. And I thought the course conditions would make it difficult for someone to really make a charge. And, and, and for the leaders, that seemed to be the case. You know, John Rahm had his 66 and, and Xander made that late charge, but I just, I didn't, I didn't, Chris, feel like, despite the fact, despite the shot on 15, and I don't really, you know, I guess I understand why he went for it, but I, I didn't really feel like he was out of control. And, and I know, you know, Xander hits it in the water on 16 and, and, and maybe that changes the dynamic, but, but that's hard to do. You know, that's hard to figure out what ifs. What if Xander had not hit it in the water? What if Xander had, you know, made birdie or made par? What would that have done to the last couple of holes? I, it's, it's kind of a dumb game to play because it, it didn't go down that way. I thought the key to his final round, Hideki's that is, was escaping one with a bogey. I mean, he nearly hold a long putt, which would have been for par. But I think, you know, nearly making that putt, avoiding what could have been disaster right off the tee, 
But things could have gotten really out of control early if uh, it doesn't go quite uh, the way it did coming out of the trees. Well, uh, you know, I call, I've called in my life a lot of basketball games, and I've always felt like the last five minutes of the half and the first five minutes of the second half were, were very important parts of the game. And I felt like, and we said this on the radio show Sunday morning, tell me how, he's, tell me how he stands on the sixth tee. Tell me where he is on the sixth tee, and, and, and I'll let you know how I think he's going to do. And I, and I think, I think he still had a four shot lead, as you said, despite the bogey on one comes back with the birdie on two. But I think on 16, he still had a four shot lead. And, and I thought he'd gotten through the toughest part of the golf course. And, and again, I, I, I get that it got close. I just honestly, Chris never felt like he was out of control. And, John, I, w- I want you to comment on that first hole. And we saw a lot of guys, Jordan Spieth being one of them, bogey, bogey one. I think that's one of the most underrated holes on the golf course, not because of the drive, but that green is very undulated. It, it seems like it's very tough to putt, and I don't think it gets enough respect for how difficult it is around that green complex to actually make a par and get your round started off right. Yeah, and that's probably true. And, and, and I would say, I think the tee shot is a bit underrated. I think, I think moving that tee back changed, changed the whole dynamic of that hole. And, and I've been out there long enough to, to see where balls have landed through the years. And more and more, you know, the balls are a little short of the bunker, little, little, you know, even with the front of the bunker. And to your point, um, that is a, that is a tough second shot. In, into that undulating green that kind of, that kind of swoops back down at you. It kind of moves a little from, from, from right to, to left a little bit. It's kind of tilted in that direction. And, and to that point, you know, the further back you are, the longer the club you have to hit, the tougher the shot. Um, just, just a little bit of a breeze, a little bit of a breeze coming into their face on that hole dramatically changes that golf hole and and it isn't a bunker. You know, it, it really isn't that bunker. Uh, you want to avoid it, but, but the, the bunker, I say, rarely comes into play or is rarely, you know, a, a shot is hit from there, but it's, it's just now a really tough driving hole. John, I want to go back to Xander's shot on 16 just to get your perspective because we saw him in the interview talk about how he was, you know, trying to really put the, you know, the gas pedal down and, and, and hit that shot close, obviously. Um, I was sort of a head scratcher for me, his, um, strategy on that hole. I mean, we've been watching tee shots on 16 forever. You hit it to the middle or the left center of that green. It catches the slope and the ball trickles down right near the hole. I mean, that's the way I've seen that hole played for decades. I'm sure you have seen it played that way for decades. We saw Jack Nicholas almost hole it in 86, hitting the shot that way. To come trying to stuff it in there on the low side just didn't make any sense to me. We've never seen anybody do that. I don't know if he just said it because that was a thing to say. And, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit for standing up in front and say, hey, I, you know, I missed it. It wasn't the shot I intended to hit. Your thoughts on, on just the strategy of how we tried to play that hole? Well, I, I, I hear what you're saying. 
I, I can't put myself in his shoes. He was trying to press the issue. I, I thought I remember him saying he caught it well. He, he hit a, he hit a good shot. It just, it just, you know, it's funny as, as, as I play, and I'm sure in this, maybe more so on the PGA tour, I get more frustrated. I don't get as frustrated with bad shots as I do bad decisions. And, and, and I think he made a bad decision. Although, although, and we did, you do see everybody, you know, kind of hitting for that middle of the green to have it fall to the left. That too, you know, that too is a spot you have to hit. And if you miss that spot and if that ball doesn't come down, do you want to hit? Do you want to hit the, the spot that everybody seems to kind of go at? Or, 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 or do you think you can, you think you can jam it in there? Um, you know, and, and, and again, moving it a little to the right is kind of a safe way to get out of it. But if you can hit it, you know, if you can hit it, Chris, between the hole and that, and that spot, if you can hit it 10, 12 feet right of the hole, um, then you, I mean, now you got yourself a golf shot. Um, I guess we can always second guess him, but, but, but he's the one holding the clubs. He's the one who knew how well he was playing or how well he wasn't playing. Um, I, 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 from everything I've read and heard him say, he executed the shot. It was just probably to your point, a bad decision. John, um, Last November, we obviously saw Dustin Johnson come in there and dominate the golf tournament. You know, one by five, shot a, a record 20 under par. Then he missed the cut this year. And, and you know, golf's a funny game. Sometimes it's just not your week. But your thoughts on the difference from what we saw at DJ for how he performed in November to what we just saw, obviously, Thursday, Friday, and not making the cut? Well, it was an entirely different golf course. I mean, entirely different. Um, they had the golf course they wanted on Thursday and it was nothing like what it was in November and it, and, 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 and it, that's the way it was going to be. November was always going to be wetter. November was always going to be softer. Um, and, and, and DJ took, took advantage of that. But, but this was the golf course they wanted. Uh, firmer, faster. I thought on some, on some, on some television screens, even on Thursday, it sort of looked like they were stressing the greens out a little bit. Um, I put a, I, my understanding is they put a lot of water on them Thursday night, but, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I just, I just think it was a really hard golf course. It was the way they wanted it until the rain came on, on Saturday. And, and I think that was evidenced by the people who didn't make the cut, um, and how difficult the golf course played. It, it, it it's, it's hard to overstate how different the golf course was in April than it was in that one-off, in that one-off tournament in, in November. And I'm having a conversation with Brandel Chambly early in the tournament. I mean, Brandel, Brandel says, I, I want to put an asterisk next to November. I'll put an asterisk next to November every time I talk about November because it was, it's such a different golf course than the other 84 Aprils in which it's been played, even, even on wet Aprils and, you know, and, and things like that. In wet Aprils, it's usually, it's usually you know, chilly and or breezy Aprils. So, and, and we got good weather for the most part in November. So I, you know, I just, I just think he ran into a tough golf course. He ran into a tough golf course. Rory ran into a tough golf course. Bryson, Bryson still has some, some figuring out to do about how to play the golf course. Uh, but it was, it was a tough week for a lot of players. Let's take that Bryson comment a half a step further. Cause 
he continues to struggle uh, on on the course. You know, we we obviously heard him the last fall saying that Augusta National should be a par 67 for him. He's out there trying to overpower the golf course, which just isn't working. What do you think he needs to do in order to be competitive there? Stop, stop trying to overpower the golf course. I mean, just work his way around the golf course. He's He's got himself in a position now where the golf course probably does feel a little short to him. Um, but, you know, he prides himself on, on being the scientist. He prides himself on, on figuring out the math. Figure out the math. Figure out how to play that golf course. Figure out that you don't need driver on every hole. Uh, this, this phenomenon of hitting driver on three is interesting. That's, that's something relatively new for these guys. Tiger used to do it. And at the time Tiger did it, being down in that hollow on the left seemed like where you did not want to be. And now that's where everybody wants to be. But, but I just, let me, until he strategically works his way around the golf course, I don't see him, I don't see him having any success there. And let me see him strategically work his way around the golf course. And I'll have a better idea if, if, if he can play that golf course. I, um, you know, his short game shines sometimes, but sometimes not so much. Um, I think I, I think he's underrated as a putter. So I don't I don't know that even though as uncomfortable as that stance looks, I, I don't think that's an issue. I, I just think the strategy he's he's trying to, to use on that golf course is wrong. John, as you know, I'm a big Jack Nicholas fan. We've talked about your experiences being on the grounds in 1986. Um, but a more recent time that I, I'm almost as proud as, of, of Mr. Nicholas for, for having not won was 1998. I mean, Jack at 58 years old on, on two hips that he would have replaced not that long afterwards goes out and makes a charge and uh, ends up finishing tied for sixth. Uh, we saw the, the special, CBS did a special on that, on that Masters and Marco Mira's big win and, and, uh, his birding the 17th and 18th hole to get it done. Um, just wanted to reflect back on 98 and, and what you remember of, of O'Meara's win and also of, uh, a 58 year old Jack Nicholas making one last charge at a seventh green jacket. Well, as far as Jack is concerned, um, you know, it was different than 86 in that it was fun in the beginning. Uh, in 86, it was fun at the end. Um, in 86, it, it was fun. I mean, in, in 98, it was fun in the beginning. And, and then it just, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's what, it's what makes that place so incredibly special. And, and when things like that don't happen, it's, those are the times you have people feel like they've been let down a little bit. I, I may have said this on your program before, I think, and I know there were fewer patrons on the grounds, but I think everybody comes to that golf tournament, especially on Sunday, wanting to witness history and be a part of history. And that's what's so incredibly wonderful about that golf course. And when it doesn't happen, and it really didn't happen this Sunday, there seems to sort of be a letdown. So, so in 98, I, you know, it was, it was just another one of those days when um, when something magical was happening on the golf course before the leaders got off. And, and honestly, Chris, um, that is usually my favorite time of the tournament. It's 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 you know it's different now with the internet. There was a time when you had no idea, you could not see what was going on 
on the golf course until coverage started. And we were there and we could see and we knew and you could hear roars and somebody was, you know, early on making a charge an hour and a half to two hours before the leaders were going off. And that honestly was my favorite time of the golf tournament because it was so much excitement, so much anticipation. Are we witnessing somebody making a, making a charge? Um, it's different now with the internet. You, every shot can be seen. There, there are no secrets anymore about who's doing what early on Sunday. So I, I think, I think that's, you know, I think that's just part of what happens out there, especially on Sundays. Um, you know, and, and then every now and then tournament where it's, um, it's a jam packed field and, and somebody's going to come out of it. And if memory serves me right, I don't think we'd had someone make a putt on 18 to win in quite a while when, 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 when Mark did that. So it kind of, it, it kind of struck everybody by surprise. But again, my, it's my all time favorite tradition in that place it, to this day is, is what happens on the 18th hole. And, and everybody that's sitting in their chairs until the putt is struck and everybody then in unison stands up and, and waits to, waits to yell out a huge scream because again, they want to be there to see something historic happen. And, and I kind of feel bad for Hideki because, you know, 15, 20 years from now, this may go down as maybe one of the most historic masters for what it means to the game of golf. And I, and it was fewer patrons. And I'm not sure, honestly, I'm not sure the patrons there truly appreciated uh, what what might happen from Hideki winning this golf tournament. John, just a couple more before I let you go. Um, we've been expecting the club to lengthen the 13th hole, especially since they purchased the land from Augusta Country Club a few years back. Um, do you think that work is eminent? What What are you hearing about the, the the parcel of land they purchased back there? Well, I mean, they purchased that parcel of land for a lot of different reasons. One of the reasons being the possibility of moving back to 13th tee. Um, the 13th tee this year, not the not the physical tee tee markers, were moved a little to the left of that tee, and that's been what I'd like to see the tee do. I don't want to see it go back. I'd like to see it kind of move down and a little to the left, make force those guys to hit the ball a little further to the right, and and let's not add forty yards to to the hole. But but I think but I think Fred Ridley is 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 challenged by that each and every year. I don't know if you paid attention to this. I don't know if you noticed this. Um, I thought, for as wonderful as the course conditions were, I didn't think the ball was running out an awful lot. And, 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 and no. I think the fairways were left, I think the fairways were left a little long for just that reason. I think, you know, it was an example of how they're trying to do whatever they can do to, to strengthen the golf course without adding, without adding 40 yards to 13 or, or moving back another hole somewhere or, or whatever they might have to do. I, you know, he has laid, he has laid down the gauntlet to the USGA and the RNA, do something. Or I'm going to have to do something, and I think I think he's trying to do little things to to toughen up the golf course. And I and I think the subtle thing this year was I think the fairways had just a little bit more grass on them, and I thought it was really noticeable on like number ten. You know, we used to see balls hit it down that left side; they'd bound down to that flat area, and and I saw fewer and fewer balls 
bounding down to that flat area this year. And, and occasionally, because of the, the glory of television cameras these days, as they would zero in on a ball sitting in the fairway, I thought, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of grass around that golf ball. So I think they left the fairways just a, a little higher this week. Talk to me about moving the tee back into the left or just, you know, to the left on 13. Wouldn't that give the guys an opportunity to get around the corner a little easier? I don't know. Would it? I mean, it's, it'd be a bigger hook. Um, you know, it, 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 it depends on the size hook you want to hit. Um, I think now <laughs> it's a, you know, I think now it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strong draw to, to do that. And some of them, and some of them cut the corner a little bit. Um, I think it was right. Xander, was it Xander on, 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 on Sunday that, that kind of crushed it, uh, right down the corner and, and, and was well past the pine straw and things like that. Um, but if that team moves down and a little to the left, you're now truly just aiming at the, at the grove of trees. And I think to round the corner would, would, would be a, would be a big hook, would be the kind of hook that, you know, JT was hitting at the players championship. Um, right. And, and, and here's the other thing about that, Chris, you know, I think year after year, I, you know, I know they hit the green now almost all the time. But, you know, the leaders, Hideki, and, and, and the leaders also three-putted that green. Um, right. I just, just the old man in me isn't quite convinced yet that Amen Corner is getting beaten up as much as they say it's getting beaten up. I'm just, I'm just not there yet. Um, maybe, maybe that's just the old fogey in me who, who thinks, you know, who thinks the original design is, is kind of pure. Despite the, despite the equipment changes. But I'm, again, I'm not convinced. You know, I, somebody, and I, it's, I, you know, it's been a long week. Who, somebody went through Sunday, didn't they? And I think birdied 11, 12, and 13, birdied Amen Corner. But that doesn't happen that often. Right. Yeah. 11 is a tough golf hole. I think as, uh, as we've all seen, you, you go, you walk away with four on 11, you got to feel pretty good about yourself. And, well, you, and you even walking what, away you know with tw- from 12 with three. You know what's funny about 11 now, Chris? Um, the guys who, the guys, and, and many of them hit it too far right. You know, I, I think back to Tiger in 2019 and the shot he had into 11 green from the right trees. And a lot of guys think Adam Scott, somebody did it this week yep. And, yep. and had a, a wide open. That used to be the shot. That was the angle. That's the shot you had into 11. You know, but all of those trees now force you to the left. And, and I don't know. I don't know that it's worked, but, but as I look at those guys, you know, standing over that shot with the, with the hole in the trees for the 11th green, I said, that's, that's the way the hole was supposed to be played. Rudy added those trees, and I'm, and I'm not entirely sure it's, it's been a great addition. John, before I let you go, remind our listeners about your great shows and how they can tune in and listen, whether it's, it's online, or for the folks that are, are fortunate enough to be over near Augusta, how they can tune in. Well, the show, the show airs in five different cities here in Augusta and, and, and four other different cities on the radio. But, but, you know, with the technology today, you, if you've got Alexa or, or any of those home speakers, you can ask it to listen to the Augusta golf show and, and boom, there it is. Um, it's on the iHeartRadio app. It's on the radio.com app. Um, on the website, I just kind of post the interviews that I do 
not the entire show. So, um, but there are plenty of, there are plenty of digital ways to, um, to get to the show. Like I said, it's on the iHeart app, it's on the radio.com app, or just, you know, ask Alexa, uh, enable Alexa to listen to the Augusta Golf Show and, and, and it'll be there. John, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and be a part of this show. I got to let you know, Mitch Lawrence joined me a little bit earlier and uh, had uh, a lot of things that I think he owes you money for, that he shared stories about the things that uh, that you have been uh, so kind and gracious to, to let him be able to do or enable him to be able to do. So uh, he wanted me to pass along his, his heartfelt thank you as well. And, and I can't thank you enough for being here. Well, you're the nicest guy that, that does this sort of thing. And, and, and everybody, my closest friends know that I, I, I'm, I, I pick at them. And, and so it's always embarrassing when somebody says something nice because the routine is to just kind of jab at each other and needle each other. And Mitch and I do that. And Matthew and I do that. Um, so it makes me uncomfortable when they say something nice, Chris. <laughs> my apologies, John. I, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll keep not, those to myself next any- time. Yeah, yeah. Why don't, that's a great idea, Chris. Why don't you keep that stuff to yourself, okay? <laughs> Indeed. John, you're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being here. Uh, I hope uh, we get the uh, privilege of having you back on the show again soon. Anytime you want, Chris. Anytime. I appreciate you, John. Take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Okay. See you, John. That's a great John Patrick, folks. And uh, I mean it sincerely. There are great golf radio shows, and then there's John's show that's head and shoulders above all the rest. Um, he does a great job. His knowledge of the Augusta National Golf Club is second to none, uh, and golf in that area uh, is fantastic. And uh, he is just a wealth of knowledge and a lot of fun to listen to. So as he said, if uh, you have an Alexa or, or any one of those types of uh, uh, apparatuses, Make sure you enable the Augusta Golf Show and look it up uh, and let uh, let Alexa play that for you. You're really going to love it. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks go out to Tom Patrick, Mitch Lawrence, John Mascari, and John Patrick for joining me tonight. Folks, please check out our website, nextonthetea.net. On there, you'll be able to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And speaking of which, next week is a... A very happy birthday to me episode of the show. Get to have some of my favorite guests and some great people as part of the show. My birthday is Monday, but uh, we will be celebrating on Tuesday. And for those of you wondering, I wear a size large shirt. Direct message me for the mailing address. I'll be glad to get that out to you and uh, help uh, me celebrate next week. No, just kidding. Uh, but uh, next week, scheduled to join me, uh, Tom Patry. What would be my birthday show be like without TP? So, Instead of every other week, he's going to bounce back in next week uh, and be a part of the show. LPGA legend and uh, Legends Tour Commissioner Jane Geddes is going to be back with me. As you guys know, we've got a partnership going on with uh, the LPGA Legends Tour. So Jane is a wonderful partner. So looking forward to having her as part of the show. And then making his first appearance with me is going to be the co-developer of Body Track Golf, right? You know, the balancing and uh, apparatus, which is fantastic stuff. I know TP's got it in his garage uh, as he teaches his students. So the co-founder, Terry Hashimoto, is going to be a part of the show. So really looking forward to having Terry with me. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great sites and apps like podcast.co, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm. We are all over the net. If you've got a favorite podcasting app, just type in Next on the T in the search menu, and uh, you'll probably be able to find our show on there as well. And if you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor. Go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. Very excited. We were uh, number 44 last uh, last month, uh, so for the for the month of April. Um, you know, you do voting in March and then it comes out there for the list in April. Uh, so if you would, uh, do me a great favor and vote for, uh, the show. All you do is when you go to podcast magazine, you'll see hot 50 there at the top on the menu. Uh, just click on that and you're going to get a drop down list and you'll see hot 50 voting. So you click on that and then just type in the name of the show next on the T. And then, uh, my name is the host, Chris Mascaro. I would really appreciate your support. Folks, thank you as always for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I really appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the Tee a part of your uh, golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.